I have no interest in his putrid purple prose. None at all. Just for laughs, Herschel. What slanderous slop has that cape-wearing clown concocted? Read his arch-nemesis. Yours truly. Uh, ain't nothing none of body villain. Well, of course not. <laughs> it would pain him too greatly to give voice to my name. Try M for mastermind. Good thinking. Nope, not N for nefarious. No, O for overlord. Here we go, it's under oath <laughs> for others. Vada villain. Also see feckless. Oh, he means fearless. Clearly a typo. Have not these fancy publishers a spell check? See also impotent. He means important. He's trying to provoke me with these typographical errors. Looky, pathetic third-rate nuisance. Use all over this book. Silence, fool! My mind is whirring like a thousand spokeless bicycles. Sunday, underneath his podium, there shall be a trap door, which shall open into a basement filled with pudding, hot oil. Yes. No. No. Piranhas. Much better. Just piranhas. Thrashing, starving piranhas. We shall show him who is the feckless, impotent fool. <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Welcome to Pilot Air, the podcast about unaired, unloved, and unhinged pilots. I'm Joe Young, and with me as always is the Superman of Supermen, Stuart. How's it going, Stuart? Hello. Is it me you're looking for? It is. Always. I can see it in your don't stare deep, too deeply into my eyes. You'll get lost. I always do. And joining us today is our old friend, returning champion, billionaire playboy philanthropist and improv comedian extraordinaire. Live from New York, it's Jason Burnett. How you doing, Jason? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Uh, I'm really excited to dive into this. Always. Well, speaking of this, tonight we're going to be talking about the 1999 never broadcast or commercially released Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Tim Curry superhero pilot, The Unbelievable. Can you even believe that this was a show they thought was a good idea? Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't, I mean, I have, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of like this to be honest no come on <laughs> i felt like it was a good pilot in that i had a lot of questions and i was willing to watch more to to get those questions answered so that's where i'm at okay. i don't think this is good and i don't think it's perfect by any means but i feel like it's a good start for something interesting sure uh there were some awkward moments throughout but again, this pilot never made it, right? So I imagine there's going to be awkward moments for any of these shows that never make it. But I, I was on the fence about it. You know, I kind of thought reasons why it would work. Uh, it's kind of like Watchmen, right? And then it's like reasons why it's not going to work because it's not Watchmen, right? Like, so that's kind of what I, 
And I think like if they really focused on like the character relationships and maybe enhancing some of those superpowers, but again, I know it's 1999, um, but uh, I think it could have worked at that time period with maybe a few different changes. Um, it wants to be this slow burn, depressing meditation <sighs> on getting old and letting go of you. They all just sit around and talk about good old days and their traumas and have midlife crises and and also just straight up fail at like mundane things and there are no action scenes and no one solves any problems <laughs> <laughs> all of the superhero stuff is in the past and it's like in not even that great of a past they're like third tier superheroes in a small town and no one remembers them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting, too, uh, that they weren't... I guess they can't really use big, you know, like, Marvel-named superheroes, so putting them in, like, this, like, low-tier uh, category, I think, was an interesting move. Um, also, they can pass the torch. They can show that those scenes with the Ryan Gosling and the other uh, character um, that's related to another superhero. I'm forgetting their names, but, like, they can pass that torch over, and we can kind of see... I guess the superpowers are genetic, right? Like, yes, that's that's another that's a question that is not answered. Like <laughs> Ryan Gosling and girl, who there's a good reason why you don't remember her name. It's because we don't know what her name is. Not a lot of information on this one, really. Yeah, there is. I couldn't find it. Yeah, <laughs> think so. No, this might be the most obscure pilot we've ever done. It does feel really 1999. You were saying it's kind of like Watchmen. You know, when the Watchmen came out, that was like the mid-80s. Watchmen and Return of the Dark Knight. Those are like the two comics they usually say is like the beginning of the modern era of comics. When it, they stopped thinking of superheroes as two-dimensional characters and we started wondering about like them as real people and all the fucked up things that they must be. Oh, what did they have for breakfast today? <laughs> yeah, but also like we got, we got stuff at this time like the tick. Well then, uh, can you destroy the earth? Egad, I hope not. That's where I keep all my stuff. Which was a uh, cartoon 1994 and uh, in Mystery Men, which is uh, a podcast. Favorite. Somebody. Yeah, I was going to say mm -hmm. this is this is the same year that Mystery Men came out, which the parallels between the two have just like, oh, they're kind of the ragtag group of loser superhero wannabes in both of these. And Mystery Men, it's such an underappreciated gem. And this just cannot capture any of that same kind of magic to me. Or any of, like, the characters are so fucking boring. They're very like, sad, people. Come the fuck on. A superhero called Poet and his power supposedly is just rhyming? That's fucking dumber than Dane Cook's character, the Waffler. Waffle man! I'm the Waffler, Golden Crispy, Bad Guys of History. Yeah. Well, this would be like the Mystery Men um, after they've all retired, and they're talking about their pathetic uh, superhero careers. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like the majority of Mystery Men, really. Oh yeah. Just dep depressed about you know not not actually being superheroes. These people are beyond that. Like they're not even trying to be superheroes anymore. Like this whole show is all about like give up. I mean, that seems like the overall message is just give up, give in, you're getting old, just let it go, you know, nothing matters anymore. It's kind of sad to see the poet selling cars. Yes. Because it kind of just kind of confirms that, like, 
oh, your art will die and you have to get a real job. Like, (laughs) oh, I mean, I, everyone should accept that at a younger age. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Yeah. So they're teaching us something. Don't study painting in college. Get a degree in accounting. (laughs) Take it from me. We do know that this was written and directed by Ed Solomon, who's most known for writing Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Excellent! This was produced and written by, like, luminaries of the 90s. Who's the other guy? The other... uh, God damn it. Hold on. I gotta pull it up. Now I can't remember his fucking name. Corbin Burnson? No. Well, we'll... Oh, we'll a- get to Corbin Burnson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Jesus Christ. IMDB, fix your fucking shit. Suck my fucking dick, Jeff Beatso. Ah, <laughs> oh, god damn. I mean, the, the site is like fucking completely unusable. I'm just trying to click on Ed Solomon's name. Because one of these guys wrote Men in Black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Ed Solomon. But he didn't create that. He just wrote the screenplay for Men in Black. Right. But he wrote he wrote the new Bill and Ted. Yeah. He wrote, uh, well, both now you see me's. Never seen them. But assume that they're really good because they have Kevin Spacey, right? Yeah. Um, Charlie's Angels, Super Mario Brothers. He wrote the absolutely underappreciated Gary Shandling movie, What Planet Are You From? <laughs> And he also wrote the fucking Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. I mean, this guy this guy is, like, responsible for a lot of uh, really good and really shitty stuff. And I don't know. He's, he's like a luminary of, of 80s and 90s culture. He wrote for the fucking Gary Shandling show. Yeah, he did. But a lot of this stuff, these, these, these uh, scripts aren't original stuff. Like Super Mario Brothers, obviously, Men in Black was a comic book, Charlie's Angels, etc., etc. This, The Unbelievables, is an original script written by him of his original own characters. Yeah. And so is um, Bill and Ted. So what you're saying is that he was a one-trick pony. All he knew how to do was make Bill Bill and Ted Ted and then... (laughs) He's a hired gun Eh, writer. there's There's nothing wrong with being a hired gun. Oh, no, nothing at all. Nothing at all. I mean, I, I will never begrudge anyone being able to make money off of uh, a creative endeavor like this. Sure. So then the other guy who produced this, he was one of the producers for Pleasantville. I don't know if we've ever talked about Pleasantville on this podcast, but yeah. I think we have. Oh, no, I have never seen it. You've never seen Pleasantville? Yeah, I've never seen Pleasantville. Oh, really? Oh, it's it's very fun. It fits into that category of late 90s movies where everybody's bored with life. It's like it was like part of that zeitgeist with American Beauty and The Matrix and and yeah, they're all living in the uh, the Mr. Show mustard mayonnaise. Mustard mayonnaise combines the spicy goodness of mustard with the creamy richness of mayonnaise to set you free from the two jar grind. They're all two jar slaves. Kind of stuff that just after 9-11 just became instantly stupid. A lot of things became <laughs> stupid after 9-11. <laughs> yeah, like our country. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? But um, 
Um, other than that, they're really we really don't have that much background information on this pilot. There, there are no interviews where anyone talks about this show that I could find. Um, and since it was never on TV, you know, con- we don't have any contemporary reviews to read like we normally do. There are a lot of people in this from the main cast. We just don't know who they are. Yeah, that was one of the most shocking things. There's not a ton of information on I- any of the actors that aren't like immediately recognizable. I think a couple of these people probably added this role to IMDb themselves, like Ginger Polly here, who I don't know who the cute barista was. I never saw her. So. Towards the end. It was towards the end. Oh, it was towards the end? Yeah, when they're in the superhero oh. evil cafe thing. Okay, remind me when we get there. <laughs> but I was like, cute barista, I think she came up with that herself. Because... <laughs> There are a few online reviews that I could find, but they were all just synopses of the pilot, which is what we're doing anyway. So they weren't really sources, but I did find one person on Facebook who posted a clip to the Ryan Gosling addicted community, but I I don't think any of it's reliable, but it's the only insider info I could find on the internet. It also looks like it was translated from Italian. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Their hashtag is rare. (laughs) Yeah. Rare. Somebody want to read this <laughs> with an Italian flair? I think I'll pass on that one. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll I'll do it. Hashtag rare goes. You're unbelievable. This is a really a rare thing. I don't know how many of you knew about this. Uh, the unbelievable. I've always thought it was a movie, but now I've changed my mind. I suppose it was a TV series aborted after the pilot. I don't know what this fucking voice is. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, yeah. Ryan wanted the role just for being next to Steve Carell. From 1999, this is a short clip from this quite unseen movie. Or was it a TV series? <laughs> Never aired. Our Ryan joined just because hashtag Steve Carell was in along with a hashtag Team Curry and a hashtag a Corbin Beanson. <laughs> Watch it end. Dot, 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 dot. What do you think? <laughs> Leave a you comment here below. <laughs> was there any comments below? <laughs> no. All right, well, we got something to do tonight. <laughs> I, I love that the username is just Ryan Gosling Addicted. <laughs> yes. One time I found a fake nude somebody made of Ryan Gosling, but it's a fake nude where he's pissing at a urinal and pointing at the person taking the picture. Oh, dear God. It is the most bizarre fake thing I've ever found. I don't, I don't know. It's pretty great. Pretty funny. You have my email, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> It's Ryan Gosling addicted at yahoo.com, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't think that Ryan Gosling did this to get close to Steve Carell, or I don't see any evidence of that. <laughs> Why would Ryan Gosling have known who Steve Carell was in 1999? He, yeah. And I. I think they got Ryan Gosling because they couldn't get Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Ooh. Oh, like, that's probably why they got Ryan Gosling. That's a hot take. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Or Leo or Devin Sawa or... Yeah, the real actors of the 90s. Yeah. Anyone that had been in Tiger Beat. <laughs> the only place it's available to watch is uh, this one Daily Motion video. And I tracked down the uploader whose name is Badly Drawn Hamster. He posted it on Reddit. 
in about five years ago. He says, just uploaded this as I found it the other day and loved it a lot. Then he kind of explains it, you know, what it is, basically. And then he has a link to his comedy website where he reviews it. So I guess we could link to that. anybody's interested but thank you badly drawn amster thank you so much we should probably have uh invited him on them on here and see if they have any more uh any more insight into this shit well i got a confession oh my god hello <laughs> you're speaking to him you just took off your mask <laughs> oh my god what in the hell and there was a whole hamster head underneath that's, that's why they call me that jason's just a bag of hamsters <laughs> I mean, how the fuck did they find this? Because it's clearly from like a a screener or something. Yes. It it seems like it's from not even a screener. We have some questions. But when you first open the thing, it's like a Hong Kong silver bootleg DVD style menu where there's multiple like MP4 files or AVI files that have been burned to a CD or a DVD. Yes, we need to talk about that. Yeah, there's just multiple files on here, including Fantastic Four, Electra Woman, and Dinah Girl, and a promo for Batgirl, which wasn't Batgirl like a (laughs) a pilot in the 70s that just basically got completely fucking scrapped? I have tracked all of these down. Oh, thank you, Stu. Okay, so we've got the 1994 Roger Corman fantastic four which is it's pretty good actually i i could i would actually recommend it we won't be covering that one and then i think it is the 1967 yvonne craig batgirl pilot which is only eight minutes long yeah it looks about the quality of uh fucking bible man the bible man's coming so you better stick around a brand new episode is coming to the town worse than bible man really and then the other one is 2001 pilot electra woman and dinah girl i was thinking we should do a double feature with batgirl and electra woman and dinah girl we totally should because those look short but they did misspell it they have it as electra woman and dina girl instead of dinah girl so you can't change that once you burn the dvd you can't go back and fix that shit only if you had a dvd rw I wonder if the, he got this from like a comic convention or something. Probably so, because I mean that was like the domain of of uh, comic conventions before Comic Con made it into just about really shitty movies that no one should ever subject themselves to. It was like, oh hey, mm-hmm. this guy has this super rare thing. It's like the joke from The Simpsons about a rare photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. That is a rare photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. It is worth one hundred and fifty dollars. What can I get for seventy-five cents? Uh, you may purchase this charming Hamburglar adventure. A child has already solved the jumble using crayons. The answer is fries. Okay, so after the DVD menu, we get the standard beginning screen kind of explaining what this is which is really cool because it's like the only information we have it says mount crest productions and i i looked up mount crest productions and they basically came into existence march 15th 1999 and were dissolved by 2003 so this might be the only thing they ever produced huh which is something we've talked about before that that you know sometimes they'll make these corporations just to make a pilot and then they dissolve them well yeah it's it's the only way to keep yourself from being liable (laughs) and then we have the name the unbelievables four by three which is you know the aspect ratio pilot color time master that's the source of this was some master from some some producer somewhere this uh this must have surfaced at uh like a kenneth anger's garage (laughs) sale or something 
Um, and then we have the date, May 7th, 1999. Total runtime. This is only 23 minutes long, which is really nice. Not that I wanted it to be longer, but it feels like the production and everything, it would be a longer show than just 23 minutes. And and that might be why we've never heard of it is because it couldn't. they never turned it into a movie because it's so short. This is all the information we have to go on. That's why I'm going over this so with such a fine-tooth comb because we just have nothing. So that this pilot is a complete mystery to us. Let's get into the shit. The cold open starts with the cartoon day, in quotes, then to a real world now <laughs> night transition. Yeah, what is the difference? It was daytime back then, and now it is nighttime. You know what that means. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they played the cartoons, you would hear that like background voice of like, unbelievable. Did y'all notice that like every edit with the with the cartoon transition and I actually did like that part. I don't know how I felt about the cartoons. Like I didn't it really Ugh. I didn't think they were very good at all. The quality of the cartoons is basically like really bad Playboy cartoonist. Yes, it was amazing. That's the level of it just looks it's depressing to me. <laughs> Most importantly, though, the past is always represented in these shitty cartoons. But anyway, uh, this is taking place in in Granville, USA. This has got to be Granville, Michigan, right? No, this is a fake. This is a fake town. It's like inspired by. Is it just anywhere USA or? Yeah, it's just any any town. I don't even think it's any town. I think it's like the suburbs of Chicago kind of shit. (laughs) Because it's there's obviously like a bigger city around, or maybe it's for the viewer to be like, "Oh, it's your town. It could be any town. Any town in America can be Grandville, USA. Any piece of shit town. Any town just makes me frown." We dolly in on two kids shooting hoop. <laughs> One of which is a very young Ryan Gosling, and he's playing. Josh Armstrong, the teenage son of Action Armstrong and Cupid. And as we were saying before, he's with a girl whose name, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they, they ever say her name. And But she is the daughter of Flame and Stretch. Flame and Stretch. Flame and Stretch. <laughs> Flame and Stretch. Flame and Stretch. <laughs> what the fuck? Bullshit. This show also does not pass the Bechtel test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely does not. But they're kind of crap-talking each other. So, Armstrong, where's your ups? I got crazy ups. I just don't want to smoke you too bad. Well, then I'd say you're accomplishing your goal. And she makes her arm long, uh, like Rubberman. It's kind of freakish, and it takes a really long time to happen. Game time. It's like skin from our previous episode, Generation X. Except she, it, it's not painful for her. Like, skin, whenever he would stretch, he would start screaming. <laughs> She's fine with it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty just like fluid. It's like, oh, I can do this sometimes. And whenever I want, I can beat you in basketball. <laughs> so she can stretch. Like stretch Armstrong. Can she also flame like flame? Like her dad is stretch and her mom is flame. So does she have flame powers too? Uh, We don't see it. So maybe we can't assume it. Maybe she just stretches. Yeah, they plan an arc for that. Ryan Gosling is like, he can, he's really strong like his dad. But he's also really hot like his mom because his mom's is Cupid and her power is like being sexy because he's definitely not getting his good looks from his dad. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. You obviously have never seen Major League One or Two. You obviously have never seen LA Law. Fair enough. I'm canceling this podcast. This podcast is canceled. I'm done. You guys can find me over on Patreon at, uh, I don't know, the big fat idiot racist that watches TV hour. (laughs) Patreon.com slash that. You want to play that way? Yeah. I just want to see what you got. Well, this is what I got. That's all you got? Oh, I got this. Game. Couldn't let a girl beat you. Good to Josh. I had to hang on to my dignity. That's a travel. Mm -hmm. It's a travel. (laughs) That is a travel. There are so many like weird little sexist jokes in this that are yes. just of of its time in such a corny ass way. 1999. 1999. Weird time. But this one is, oh, you can't let a girl beat you. I've got to have my dignity. It's just like, <laughs> hack, hacky. This title sequence starts and we get the extremely funky theme song. I hated the theme song. Yeah, I guess I hated it too. <laughs> I was gonna try to apologize for it, but yeah, it was pretty bad. It kind of reminded me of like the Martin theme song. Martin, Martin. And I always enjoy that. Oh my god! <laughs> but. <laughs> Here was here's the problem, the big problem that I had with the Unbelievables theme song that uh, the Martin theme song does not suffer from, really, which is like this is a 55 year old white guy, multimillionaire studio executive's idea of what uh, a funky hip hop song is. Yeah, it doesn't fit. I, they're trying to like say when they were a team, it was like the swinging seventies or whatever, but it does not work. I'm just gonna say when I was taking a shower uh-huh. the other day, I was singing that, <laughs> and I caught myself <laughs> singing that. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Maybe all right. Maybe it was a trash song. Unbelievable! Listen, I get Stockholm Syndrome from the music that we do on this podcast because I, oh my God, for days I was I was still hearing Rem Lazar music in my head. Oh. Come with me, my child bride. Or, or the theme song too, uh, the one about the hobos. There goes the neighborhood. Oh my God, I could never get that out of my head. Oh, well, that one I do weirdly like. There goes the neighborhood. There goes the neighborhood. It's kind of like a jingle for like a, do you guys know the restaurant Ryan's? Mm, no. With so many ways to fire you up, Ryan's is really cooking. Or Sizzler, or... Have you tried the lasagna? It's my favorite. Sizzler, yeah. Sizzler is the one who brings us choices. Reaching out across the USA. Yes, Sizzlers are cool. Uh, uh, Shoney's. Classic shrimp dinner starting at just $5.99. Choose lightly dusted shrimp, fried or stir fried. Better yet, get twice the shrimp for only $3 more. It just, it makes me think of the kind of music that they would use in, in their commercials. 
it's like perpetually 1982 there. Yeah, exactly. And your grandma fucking loves it. And, you know, it's okay. The food's not the best, but it's definitely edible. It's not like putrid, but they would always have that kind of song. Unbelievable. We're getting the theme here. There's newscasters talking in the background, and then we're panning across the really bad comics of all of the unbelievables when they were when they had their powers well i guess they still have their powers when they were a superhero team so there's action armstrong who has a prince valiant haircut when he was still action armstrong i guess his costume was very strange to me because he always talked about wearing a cod piece right but i think that they're just saying like you know the underwear on the outside thing that's a cod piece oh well but it's not i don't think they have to be hard but maybe i'm wrong (laughs) Yeah, he's like wearing like an athletic cup. The poet, Flame, Reach, Cupid, and Mr. Invisible. But keep in mind, you never see them in any of these costumes doing anything mildly superheroic at all in the whole show. I think the poet is supposed to look like William Shakespeare. I get that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. He looks like Shakespeare. Yeah, he's got the big puffy sleeve, striped sleeves and collar frills and knee-high boots. Pantaloons. And then Cupid is wearing... A golden outfit. She just looks like a Greek goddess. Yeah, like Xena the warrior princess. (laughs) She looks like Cassandra from Soul Calibur. It's time for your punishment. (laughs) And then Reach, he just looks like Jimi Hendrix. He's wearing bell bottoms. He's got like a big afro. It's not really a superhero outfit, though. He just looks like a hippie. Yeah. Oh, man, it's really great, man. They got some groovy uniform stripes on their pants, clubs in their pockets. Wow. Guns. And then uh, Flame. Closest thing that I can think of, she looks like somebody from Mortal Kombat, like Katana or something. Yeah. Or a a really shittily drawn bird. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe there's something wrong with you. Mr. Invisible's in the picture. The poet's got his arm around him. (laughs) What a... Jesus I didn't notice that the first (laughs) time, but... I guess they do that in the end. And why are they all wearing Spice Girl boots? They're all wearing platform shoes because it was the 70s. <laughs> also, the show is opening up with the word retired, like right up in big red lettering right there, which is not appealing. It's so strange. Yeah, they stamp retired right on top of it. That's the whole thing of the show is like these people are done. They're sad has-beens. So now we meet uh, Action Armstrong, who is played by Corbin Burnson. Hey! Whose name I got mixed up with Bronson Pinchot. What? So I kept thinking Cousin Balky was going to show up. Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I don't remember Corbin Burnson showing up on Seinfeld. Hey, Corbin Burnson. How you doing? <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> You know, do I have a case for you guys to do on L.A. Law? Really? I do now. Okay, good. You know what? I went to a Yankees game uh, like two weeks ago, and to get like inspired uh, and to fall back in love with baseball, I watched Major League Two on YouTube. So, oh wow! Uh, and he's 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 in that, and he's Dorn, and he's really funny throughout the series. I activated myself. Um, so I knew him from that because um, I used to love Major League One and Two when I was younger. And I was like, you know, what, let me put this on before I go to a, a baseball game because, you know, baseball games are kind of boring. So I thought that would maybe, you know, spoiler, the game was nothing like Major League Two or One. Way funnier. 
yeah, it's real. It was it was a funny funny game. I actually went to a baseball game before this show today, and lasted about five and a half innings before my partner and I decided to leave. <laughs> First time I've ever only had one drink at a baseball stadium. How much was it? Uh, I got Casamigos, so it was like twelve bucks. Gotcha. Yeah, we I got vouchers for like a free drink, a shirt, and yep. And a hot dog, but the drinks were, I think, at Yankee Stadium were seventeen or eighteen dollars for like a Bud Light. Really? Yeah. They've raised their prices since last year because we went to a game. Actually, the game where Aaron Judge hit his fuck whatever the last home run that he hit. Yeah. Uh, or maybe second to last to like break the record. But I thought that it was way more reasonable than. Coors Stadium, but also that stadium absolutely fucking kicks ass. I don't care what people think about the Yankees, whatever, root for whoever you want to root for. I don't give a shit if you're just a fan of like the biggest, best team or whatever. Uh, but their stadium fucking kicks ass. Listeners, let us know which baseball stadium is your favorite in a five star Apple podcast review. Yeah. Send us an email to jason at gmail.com. <laughs> No, it's it's poorly drawn hamsters <laughs> at Ryan Gosling's addict.com. Ryan Gosling Well, uh Corbin Birdson, he's definitely a hardworking actor. He has two hundred and fifty-four roles on IMDB and he's still working today. And he is most known for playing a lawyer on LA Law. And I don't is this a show people care about, Joe? LA Law? I mean, still, like, I know they cared about it at the time, but does anybody talk about L.A. Law now? No, I don't think so. I think it's very much a relic of its time. But I remember my parents really liking that show at the time. I, th I think it was just a fucking huge show. It ran for like eight seasons, right? Oh, I forgot to mention, he shows up in TNG as Q. What? Yeah, he played Q, not John Delancey's Q, because... Uh, he played a different Q because all the Q are named Q. Right, the Q continuum. He was in it for like maybe three minutes. Okay, so I found this headshot of him with his L.A. Law character, and whoever asked him <laughs> to sign it asked him to sign it as Q. He didn't care at all about the L.A. Law character. Hey, this isn't about me. I got better places to be. So Carbon Burnson and Ryan Gosling, they're up in the attic. You know what, Josh? I'm going to keep the keys to the city. Dad? Yeah, yeah, the rest of it goes. Good. It's a charity auction, right? It's a great time to finally get rid of some of this old gear. Trade in my past. And they're they're sorting through the old uniforms for Action Armstrong. All right, now, we gotta go, okay? Because I told Mommy would be at her house. Wait, I wait, I can't give this away. Why not? You're never gonna wear it again, right? Yeah, but I met Gerald Ford in this baby. Really gotta see it filled out. I kept thinking his name was Action Johnson. Because this whole scene makes me think his superpowers revolve around his huge dick or something. <laughs> I really shouldn't give away my bicentennial codpiece. He wears a big Johnson t-shirt when he's fighting crime. <laughs> yeah, it's extra large codpiece. Don't sell it. <laughs> I want to keep it. And then he has a black one with a little yellow ribbon. Wore this while our hostages went around. This is the one I wore when the hostages were in Iran. <laughs> Just wearing it while they were there. Not that he went over there to deal with it or anything. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Yep. I was wearing this one while I watched the moon landing on TV at my parents' house. There's too much going on in Granville that he's got to take care Jesus. of. Jesus. It's like all these like dated jokes. So, so anyway, this scene ends and then where we meet 
the poet who is running a used car lot and he's having a terrible time at it what can i say that'll make you the owners of this car today nothing it's out of our range <sighs> thanks if, if i threw in new tires would that make you buyers sorry is it the rhymes i'm trying to fight it I, it only happens when i get excited i guess they're just all out in the open about their identities yeah like i just that, that's not even a thing for a while i thought that was jeff no Harley, it's, mike, it's Star. mike Star. i get them confused yes they very yeah. uh similar kind of but jeff garland is but this guy's all right this guy's not mike star is not that bad he, he, yeah he's pretty he's great in uh fucking uh Goodfellas and uh, Dumb and Dumber. He's always cast as like a Italian tough guy or whatever. And in this, he's playing like an eloquent wordsmith. Yeah. Which is totally against type. Which was, I mean, it's just a really interesting choice. Like, why would they pick this guy? The casting... Yeah, this is one of the things that I that intrigued me about this show. It is an odd choice now that you mention it. He's unable not to rhyme. It's like a compulsion. It feels more like a disorder than a superpower. He's, he's constantly apologizing to people. Yeah, it, it, he rhymes when he gets nervous. But then then we see uh, on a TV screen, there's a little news show where they're announcing the release of a book. Yeah. Recognize this scene? The big S himself. Well, good for Granville, and good for him. He's on a book tour promoting his torrid tell-all super-memoir, Behind the Steel. I am just so honored he will be here Sunday to share with us. Oh, I can't wait. The first time I watched this, I wasn't really looking at the TV. I was working on something else, and I just heard this. And I thought that it was Scott Thompson doing the TV broadcast. Yeah. It sounds just like him. Why is it always the big smelly guys who think all fags want them? <laughs> but this is exactly what happens in The Watchmen. Hollis Mason releases Under the Hood in the comic book. You get a few chapters of the book. Yeah, that's a big takeaway I got. Watchmen movie had been rumored since the 80s, right? Originally with um, Robin Williams as one of the stars i've heard so many different casts yeah they they tried to do it for a long time until they finally let Zack snyder do it and they were trying to make it forever what do you guys think about that movie have y'all watched it in the last like 15 yeah. years i'm not really a superhero guy um but i do i did enjoy that one um and obviously i read the the graphic novel but you know for someone who's not really into dc or marvel like i really enjoyed it but I don't know. What'd y'all think about it? I didn't like it at the time, but I think that now I might enjoy it a little bit more because I've kind of come to appreciate Zack Snyder's style a little bit more, huh. um, which I know sounds incredibly fucking insane, especially coming from an asshole like myself. But after watching his recuts <laughs> of Batman versus Superman and the Justice League, uh -huh. which I shockingly really enjoyed. I thought I thought they were v like way more interesting than the original versions and just kind of fun. Like I'd be willing to give Watchmen another shot. Just uh, see if anything's changed there for me. There's so many things that happen in that movie that are just shot for shot from the comic book. That is the double edged sword. And I have been accused of being a hypocrite when I have called out that like Watchmen was basically shot for shot from the graphic novel, but then some things that like deviate from it, it's like, well, this sucks for the other reason that it like deviated from this. Mm -hmm. But then why is Watchmen bad for being so faithful to the original material? But here's the thing. Here's the other thing about Watchmen. 
So Watchmen comes out in like 86. The original, you know, Batman, Tim Burton's Batman comes out in like, what, 89? I mean, that's arguably when the modern superhero movie starts. By the time like, you know, superhero movies are being made, everybody has already processed Watchmen and, and it's already kind of become the norm. So there was never movies before Watchmen. You see what I'm saying? Like all superhero movies have been made with that eye to what Watchmen brought which is like, these are real people and they're fucked up and they have problems and da-da-da-da-da. Not, it's not the two-dimensional like Superman, you know, of the, of the classic era of comics. By the time Watchmen gets made in 2012, it already seems kind of dated because everything, every movie that's been made up to that point has stolen stuff from Watchmen. We've already found out that Batman has a grapefruit for breakfast every day. <laughs> and I guess we'll never know what the Unbelievables, like, real intent was, like, after that pilot, right? Like, because it does feel like yeah. they could have maybe really dived into why are these superhero uh, powers getting passed down? Like, why does that even happen? Or or you could even just do, like, a father-son relationship between Corbin Benson and Ryan Gosling's character and just focus on that and just have, the like, the action stuff in the background. And so did feel a little bit of a kind of a copy of Watchmen in a lot of ways. It's not Watchmen because they never fight anybody. They don't they just they're just depressed and they talk about how depressed they are and how everything's falling apart. <laughs> That's kind of like a stem from Watchmen though, right? Like those characters were pretty miserable and depressed definitely mm. i guess that that's what would have eventually happened with the unbelievables is they would have gotten back in costume and started fighting crime again yeah which wh why would they take 17 years off and then go back to it but then because the kids are out of the I don't out of the nest oh right right they're empty nesters and they need a hobby Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure is a podcast where we take a trip to the local video store and create seasons of episodes based on a theme. Could it be a robot takeover? Could it be alien invasions? Could it be siblings of more famous actors? Could it be all of the above? Yes, it could. On Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, we are not afraid to go there. So listen to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure wherever you get your podcasts or bridgeburner.page and get every single episode, audio and video, at patreon.com slash Bill and Robs. They never specifically say who the superhero is. They just, they call him like the big S. That's right, yeah. And he lives in a metropolis. So he's kind of implied to be Superman, but he, they never say that. Yeah, they don't, they don't spell it out like that. But yeah, he's definitely a Superman style hero. So then we go to Cupid's house, and I have to say, it's a pretty fucking sick house. Yeah, Dude, that place fucking kicks ass. When we watched it, I pointed out to Cheryl, I was like, that is like the exact house that we should be trying to buy. Fucking awesome. It's kind of like a split level with two decks on the outside with kind of like mid-century modern, like, what do you, what do you call those? The, what do you, you know what all this shit is because you fucking are a house man, a man of uh, <laughs> knowing, knowing of the house. I know of the houses. Yes. Are you talking about the facade? Yeah. It's got like a stone wall and then it's, they're not trellises. What the fuck is it with the piers? And the beams, it's not pier and beam, though. No, well, it might be, but the soffits come out and it kind of creates sort of a, an awning from the roof. Yes. Uh, that covers over, but but the whole front of it is basically just glass. 
Like, it's all windows. And I imagine this overlooks, like, a really pretty valley or something, because, like, there's a huge hill. Yeah, it's up on a fucking hill. It looks awesome. The the type of hill your son would burn out your fucking clutch and transmission on trying to park (laughs) the car in the middle of the night drunk. And there's a basketball hoop there. Can you imagine playing basketball on that fucking... It's just like a straight down. He'd be going and, and get chasing your ball like nonstop. Well, they play from the street since they have powers. I got crazy outside. I just don't want to smoke you too bad. Cupid and Action are divorced. And she got the house. Yes. Yep. And she lives with the mayor now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the mayor is there. Oh, hey there, Josh. Mayor Dave. Oh, just Dave. Yeah. And and he tells Ryan Gosling he's having sex with his mom, like, out of the blue. Jesus Christ. Not wearing my mayor hat today. Wearing my home early to have sex with your mom hat. (laughs) It's very bizarre. No, yeah. He shows no emotion afterwards, though, because he just, they just keep walking. He kind of has, like, a side eye for a minute, but they don't really dive into that moment, because that was a really creepy and unwanted moment in the show. It's like, if I were Ryan Gosling in that fucking situation, I would have tossed that asshole down the fucking stairs. Creepy stepdad energy. Yeah. But I don't even think he is with mom. I think he's just there. I got the vibe that they were a couple you think they're together okay yes it's like i think he just says like he wishes he was doing getting inappropriate (laughs) would be nice though (laughs) getting again just as inappropriate um uh, by the way you need to talk to your dad about the uh, booster club uh, barbecue thingy no 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 they are together well i guess it's kind of weird that she you know she was with the superhero yes you know before a, the big idiot mayor that doesn't know anything that just has like a title, right? Like, so I guess that maybe shows how strong Armstrong actually is emotionally, you know, <laughs> not just physically. Boy, I <laughs> wish I was fucking your mom right in the asshole. I'll say that is some kooky stuff we brought down from the attic there. I think it's neat though. Neat folks, your folks and their friends. Josh is like talking to his mom and Mayor Dave is playing with this superhero device that he found in a box. So, uh, uh you, you staying here tonight or at your dad's? Cupy? Dad? Cupy, doll face. Uh, sure you okay? Yeah, fine. <laughs> the, the nonsense device. It's like a fucking, like one of those clip lamps, like a, using a shop where it has the little clip on the one end and it's just a big metal dish you screw a light bulb into. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And he's flying around the fucking room. Be way funnier if he tried on the bicentennial cod piece and he's like, Oh, this is too big for me. <laughs> I can't put on the piece. Oh my that would have been great. Ah, <laughs> uh, this thing's nice and roomy. Yeah, I can put four fingers in between this. Jesus. Not sure how to turn this thing off. It's the little green knob. Got it. Oh, I get it. Hoverizer. It also annoys the living shit out of me that he is he sounds exactly like Eugene Levy. Yes. There's a thing that I think I got a, a, an entertaining bug. Yeah, I would agree. Who he is, we have no idea. I have no, I don't know. Yeah. It's a mystery. Hey Josh, what's taking you so long? It's been like three minutes, okay? He's, you know, she's like, you can't do this anymore. This is at my house now. You can't just walk in. But we find out that the rummage sale has been canceled. Oh, hey there, coach. Mary Dave. Action, you need to knock. You don't live here anymore. Yeah, I just uh, came by to get your stuff for the auction. Well, you don't need to. It's uh, been postponed. What are you talking about? Oh, you haven't heard? The big guy's coming. What big guy? The super duper dude. 
in person. He's coming here. Yeah. Can you believe it? No more than like one thing can happen in this town at a time because it's that small. Yeah, sure. So, okay. So now we get arguably the the two most talented people in the show doing the best they can with yeah. my least favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> they were re- uh, really annoying. Uh, it was really bad. Fuck, it sucks. So it's it's Steve Carell and Tim Curry, the comedy team you never knew you wanted. No, God, please, no, 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 no. At this point, Tim Curry, this is 1999. He's already had an entire career's worth of roles. He, he is what, like at this point, I think he had to have been one of the 20 most famous working actors. Uh, he's so distinctive. I see you shiver with anticipation. He's so great, but he never got a really good role other than Dr. Frankenfurter. Or Clue. They would put him in stuff and it would be, yeah, and, and I mean, it was great, but it wasn't ever like the big breakout role. Like, he really deserved more. Yeah, and I don't think he can work anymore, I believe. He's in a wheelchair, I think. Uh, yeah, when they redid Rocky Horror last time, he played, uh, what's his name, the doctor in the wheelchair. Dr. Scott! Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of a cool way to do it. But anyway. Wait, shit. He's been in a wheelchair since 2012 because of a stroke. Yeah. Fucking A. Oh, he was Pennywise. I mean, that's pretty big, right? Oh, yeah. That that role, too. Kiss me, fat boy. Sorry. I totally forgot about that. Yes, Pennywise the Clown. It's his other big role. But Steve Carell, the only thing he had really done is had been in was uh, on a podcast favorite, The Mug Root Beer, Dana Carvey Show. Yeah. It's the Mountain Dew Dana Carvey Show. The Taco Bell Dana Carvey Show. It's the Szechuan Dynasty Dana Carvey Show. Germ- Germans who say nice things. You are not getting older, you are getting better! It was a pleasure babysitting Kevin. <laughs> His character's name is... Uh, Herschel? Herschel... Herschel Henchman. Herschel Henchman. It's almost. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's someone trying to impersonate Steve Carell at a party. <laughs> and it's like double the amount of Steve Carell that you really need in it. <laughs> like he's trying almost too hard. It feels, yeah. Yes. Mildly annoying. He's trying his hardest. It's, uh, it feels a little, uh, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you should. Tim Curry is the retired supervillain, the vaude villain. The vaude villain bad bad name yeah it's really bad and they don't do anything with it i don't even know what that means no they don't explain what is bidding oh, say boss what's it mean when it says as told to candy kilroy it means he needed a girl to help him <laughs> coward <gasps> he's kind of theatrical right he's i mean he odd villain maybe his whole thing is just being over the top <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe so. Yeah, but vaudeville is not about over-the-top acting. It's about... <laughs> it's about putting a little shoe polish on your face and having a good time with your white friend. The man of squeal will never set foot in the evil genius bookstore slash juice bar slash cyber cafe as long as I am its sole proprietor. God, remember cyber cafes. <laughs> Delightful. They still have them. I guess they do. You just have to go to India. Oh. Everything about this just pissed me off. Also, what is it with makeup departments and having to make Steve Carell look absolutely insane in everything? <laughs> this fucking, uh, 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 what's the wrestling movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, God damn it. Lato Libre? No. Creams and lotions. No. Damn it. Um, look it up. 
I am right now. Yeah, they make him just look absolutely horrifying in that. You ungrateful ape. Big short, his crazy fucking teeth and eyebrows. Are you fucking kidding me? Those fuckers, those motherfuckers. God, it feels like they gave him like a pouch to put on his back because it, unless he's just acting in a way where his is on a, like a hunch. So if you see a hunchback, why not take him out to lunch, Jack, to say hey, thanks a doesn't even say steve carell on imdb like i remember when i messaged you first jason i was like oh i'm sorry i thought i guess i thought steve carell was in this but it's not it's ryan gosling remember that i do remember that and i was gonna message you back and say i think you're wrong <laughs> steve Carell's in this. it's wild but so anyway they're they're using the index of behind the steel which is the book we've been talking about to try and find vaudevillian herschel keeps finding him listed under insults yeah and it, Herschel is completely oblivious and it's just it's not it's not funny stolen joke from the <laughs> critic excuse me could I rub your hump for luck I don't have a hump you hunchbacks are so selfish get away from me now we go to the poker game all the retired superheroes are hanging out they're playing poker this is when we get to meet stretch and flame and mr invisible the most pointless thing to put in this fucking pilot the mr invisible bullshit you could at least give him a hat or like a monocle <laughs> or something yes that's exactly that's exactly my point he just like literally is completely fucking invisible his character comes alive when he's holding something and that's about it or he's knocking people over yeah yeah, or if someone's putting their arms around him <laughs> and there's no one there. But the thing about Mr. Invisible, though, is that he is a drunk and he's overweight. Yeah, he's super fat and he belches and the dumbest goddamn jokes. Yeah, I'm in. How about you, Invisible? You in? You betcha. Come on. Oh, what is that? Sorry. Say, hand me a beer there, will you, honey bunny? Well, I, I think you've had enough, honey bunny. And I thought you were trying to lose weight. Doctor says it's a glandular problem. Oh, if we could see him, we could see how fat he is. But since we can't see it, that's funny somehow. Is that the joke? I think that's correct. That's got to be the. I, that's got to be it, right? Pretty weak. Also, his chair is tucked in all the fucking way. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, come on, give us like a visual gag where like, I don't know, you're talking about how fat he is. It needs to be way back. The The chair should be scooted back or it should break or something. <laughs> like just, just something. This just felt so pointless. That might've been an error from the production. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, production crew. Get your shit together. But we also, we meet Flame. She can't get her finger lighter to work. Um, it's like shooting sparks out and she can't, and she can't light uh, a Stretch's cigar. And then she says, damn hot flashes. <laughs> it seems like the person that's doing the best in this group is Stretch. Because he's wearing a fire department hat. I think he's a fireman. We definitely need to see a scene where he rescues a cat from a tree. I think him being a fucking fireman is a joke about his relationship with Flame. Oh. Yeah. yeah. 
They've given them so much business. <laughs> because she keeps setting things on fire. It's an inside job. She's keeping the department in <laughs> fucking short pants. Yeah. Between us, the man fudged his numbers. The man would never fudge his numbers. It's true. He stopped that asteroid over Punjab, logged in all of India. They're just gossiping about the book. You know, the big S exaggerated on a few things. Um, And this is when the kids show up. Uh, Ryan Gosling and Girl. And they... Uh, and they have the book and they use the index again. This book has a really helpful index. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle of the book, too, it looks like. <laughs> the Unbelievables. See the uh, the happening, page 359. <gasps> they show up in a story called The Happening. Yeah, right. It was that guy with the white hair. What was Andy Warhol? Yeah, he wanted to make some five-hour movie of my ass or something. I was out of there. So we went home early. Kind of good joke. <laughs> that is actually a real Andy Warhol movie, I believe. Isn't it called Butt or something? Taylor Mead's ass. That's what it is. There you go. How did I forget that? I have completely forgotten about Taylor Mead as well. What a fucking character. I'm uh, the real Arnold Schwarzenegger. Brian Gosling reads the passage about them out loud. I had an encounter with a member of a group of small timers from a hick town called Granville. Small timers. Well, small timers. But, but it turned out okay. In fact, better than okay, because one of them, and I believe they called her Cupid. Uh, okay, keep going. Uh, I'm not sure, Dad. <laughs> read it or I will. I'll read it. Cupid. Here we go. Led me into a darkened room and showed me a night of bliss that made me understand why one of them at least deserved the moniker Unbelievable. This all makes action really mad. Um, and he runs out the front door, and he, he rips the doorknob off. Dad! Dad! Ooh, my, ooh, my wife had sex before we got married. My ex-wife. Yeah, ex-wife. Might have had sex before we got married <laughs> at a swingers party. <laughs> <laughs> Key, at a key party. Armstrong's losing in all areas, right? I mean, like, keep it dating the mayor now. Not wearing my mayor hat today. Wearing my home early to have sex with your mom hat. <laughs> and now Cupid dated big ass. Yes. So maybe he's got a right to yeah. break the door. He's having a, a midlife crisis, like, really bad. He's wearing, like, old man glasses. He just looks like sad dad energy. But uh, anyway, it's time to stop the show. <laughs> And play a game. You haven't been here since we played the game. Yeah, this is new to me. All right, guys. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta run to the bathroom. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and turn this TV on for you guys. Oh. Um, yeah, just something to keep you guys entertained while I run and uh, go to the bathroom and take a big shit. Jesus Christ. You know, enjoy and uh, do, do everything the television tells you to do. Oh, wow. Soviet Russia TV watches you. Hello and welcome to Corbentainment this after evening. <laughs> I'm your host, Gregory Hunkbucker, and I'll be guiding you on a journey through the illustrious career of Corbin Burnson, just being Corbin Burnson. I love this show. Hi, Hunkbucker. Hello. I can hear you through the TV. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's actually a magic TV. It is Soviet Russia. <laughs> it's just like Pleasantville. <laughs> it's more like East Germany. And the movie? Other People's Lives. 
The lives of... What was that movie called? Anyway. Alright. I've got nine questions about Corbin Burnson appearing just as Corbin Burnson. Oh, wow. Question number one. In 1998, Corbin showed up looking dashing as ever to accept the prestigious award for favorite television drama program at this ceremony where democracy still mm. reigns supreme. Yeah, I have my remote mm. on me, so I just start clicking. Do, do we just yell? Oh, yell the, do we touch the screen? Yeah, just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, use your, uh, just use your Adam Sandler quick style remote to lock in your answers. A? I don't have batteries in my remote. I gotta go get batteries. What? Oh, I love it. Hurry up and get those batteries. Don't touch that dial. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, is it the Emmys? No, sadly, it is not the Emmys. Although I think that he won several. Stuart. Any guesses? The Tonys. That is also <laughs> completely wrong. It was the 14th annual People's Choice Awards, the finest award show in all of Hollywood. Question number two. In 1989, Corbin popped in to say hello to his former girlfriend's co-host slash boss slash master or whatever their bizarre relationship is. On this short-lived talk show, hosted by a famous drunk and right-wing crank. I'm ringing in. Is it, uh, Ricky Lake? It's gotta be someone in a wheelchair. No. <laughs> Ricky Lake is a delight, but this person is a little... Oh. Wheels off. <laughs> Jesus. Um, damn it. Is it the, it's the woman who, uh, is always talking about lost kids. Nancy Grace. It is. It is absolutely not Nancy Grace. Jason, do you have a guess? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of limb here and say, um, he's a little oh. wheels off. Wheels off. Hmm. Wheels on. Wheels off. Oh, I'm stumped. Right. I don't have an answer. All right. That's not an issue at all. The answer was the short-lived Pat Sajak show. Oh. They thought that his skills of having people spin a wheel and pick letters would translate to an entertaining talk show. And oh. spoiler alert, it fucking didn't. I thought you said that she'd be visiting his girlfriend. His former girlfriend's co-host slash boss slash master or whatever their bros are relationship. I understand. So Carbon Burnson was with Vanna White. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, they they dated and had sex. So she wasn't in a wheelchair. Nobody involved in this was in a wheelchair. I don't think. Can I just say that I'm glad? I'm really glad. Me too. It makes me happy. Yeah, by wheels off. I was really trying to hint that it was Wheel of Fortune with the Wheel of Fortune host who was famously a uh, horrible drunk and a climate change denying psychopath. Yeah, that's a jerk suck. Yeah, he's an awful human. And his head looks a lot like it got mashed by a steamroller. He was originally picked by Herb because I think Herb Griffin, his philosophy was that 
game show hosts should have gigantic heads. He was also uh, responsible for giving Chuck uh, Woolery, also famously has an enormous head, his job. Also, a right-wing psychopath. Yeah, naturally high. Just like me. (laughs) I only pretend to be anything remotely left-wing to keep our ratings up. Thank you, TV. Question number three. If you lived in Great Britain in the 1980s, the titular host of this show, which played host to Mr. Burnson in 1989, was on everyone's lips. Or at least, his last name was. That's obviously Tea Talk, the UK, uh, uh, hit. Wow, you got very close, but not at all anything close to that at all. I'm going to say London's Burning. It's a good one. I've never heard of that. Also, the show's name is a guy's last name. Oh. <laughs> is it Burnson? Absolutely not. Okay, I give up. The show was called Logan, and it was hosted by Terry Wogan. Logan? No, Wogan. Oh, Wogan. Wogan. A Wogan. 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 Terry Wogan. Bogan. Question number four. Everyone's aware of Mr. Burnson's ability to act, present awards, and accept awards. <laughs> but what you may not know is that he's also a world-class host. And in 1991, this program asked him to do just that. Introducing well-known comedians Jack Gallagher, Spike Manton, and then-unknown Norman MacDonald. Uh, Saturday at the Improv. That is as close as you were ever going to get, so I'm going to give it to you. Oh, really? It's an evening at the Improv. Oh, my God. I can't believe I got it. Oh. Thank you. You got a point, Stuart. I can't believe you did either. This was not designed to give anyone points. This TV is very difficult. (laughs) Well, you should have sprung for the better model. Question with Tim. You turned down the sarcasm? At the height of his tremendous popularity in 1991, Corbin made a connection for two and two minutes on this program, given the name of its enormously popular host. Two and two minutes. Uh... At the height of his tremendous popularity in 1991, Corbin made a connection for two and two minutes on this program, given the name of its enormously popular host. Man, I have no idea. This is, so, this is the hardest game ever. Uh, Listen to the clues. I know. I'm thinking two and two. This person has already been brought up this evening. Oh my god. It's rare to have a double back like this. But here we are. I think I brought up or you brought up? Oh, maybe he's talking with... I don't remember. You don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a television, not a computer. I forgot. I, I can never tell the difference. Uh, uh, Jason, you have a you have a, a guess? I'm, I'm going to guess the Dana Carvey show. That is incorrect. Uh, I, I don't have a guess. I'm, I'm... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassing myself. The enormously popular host of the love connection, Chuck Woolery. Oh my god! Was given the Chuck Woolery show, where they had him interview people, and Corbin was phenomenal on it. Ba 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 Burnson! 
give him, give him, give him the mic, because he's going to turn in a great interview that's both informative and heartwarming. And that's just what audiences found when he sat down with this goatee musical genius and best enthusiast on his talk show. Goatee and best enthusiast? He the host? Is it the cat daddy? <laughs> I think his name is Cat Daddy. <laughs> Jackson Galaxy. Don Tesh. That is absolutely correct. Woo! Oh my god. I got one. One on one with John Tesh. They just loved everything he was doing with the theme song of basketball and the theme song of internet entertainment tonight that they decided to give him his very own show. Ooh. And it lasted not very long. There's a running theme. Like, he's the guest on these shows, and then they, they disappear, and nobody remembers him. <laughs> he was on quite a lot of shows. He has over 200 credits to his name on IMDb alone. It's true. Question number seven. Starting in 1998, and lasting an astonishing five years, Corbin once again proved he has the chops to be the face of a show, with this first-to-market reality series that has a very similar name to a certain Jeff Probst-hosted series. To reality series. Uh, I'm going to say The Osbournes. That is incorrect. Jason, do you have any idea what the name of that show might have been? I shouldn't be pouring this drink while I'm talking into the mic. Yeah, it was Real World Seattle. I wish. I would love to see what Corbin Burnson and Puck would have gotten into. Yep. <laughs> Puck was Seattle, right? Sadly, that's not the answer. The answer was Wild Survival with Corbin Burnson. There's very little information on it online, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. It sounds like a wrong. Question number Christ. Question number five. Question number five. In 2004, retreating from the public eye, Corbin braved getting his head bitten off by the famous hubby of the titular host of this very short-lived, only 206 episodes, daytime talk show. Very short-lived daytime talk show. That could be, there were so many short-term... Oh my god, listen to the other clues in the fucking question. Okay, okay, okay. In 2004, after retreating from the public eye, Corbin braved getting his head bitten off by the famous hubby of the titular host of this very short-lived, only 206 episodes, daytime talk show. He braved getting his head bitten off Oz by the host's husband. Oz Ozzy Osbourne? It is not Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> okay. Jason, do you have a guess as to who would have possibly been married to Ozzy Osbourne? Sharon Osbourne. Oh. That is correct. It was the Sharon Osbourne show. It actually went up against Ellen. And somehow, Ellen came out on top. And she did the whole show from her bed, right? I don't know. It was so fucking pathetic. People said that there was too much of her family on the show. Which, frankly, to me... Hmm. I think we need more family on TV in this rotten world. Last question. Question yep. number nine. 
in 2013, after coming out as a vocal Christian, Bernson appeared on this, the longest-running television program in history that preys heavily on the scared and paranoid. Oh, it's the 700 Club. That is correct. I knew that. Thank God. <laughs> thank, thank God it's over. And now I'm gonna go cash my paycheck and buy a handle of vodka. I want to see if there's a better channel on this TV. <laughs> good night and good luck. And good Burnson to you. Oh, it broke. I can't even get it to come back on. You broke the TV while I was gone? Well, I just wanted to see if there was a Bro, different channel. That's I had to travel to the bottom of the ocean and find a fucking magic lamp inhabited by a fucking moray eel that grants wishes Sorry? to get that fucking television steward. And you broke it? Well, you know, all I can say, poor quality. The knob came right off. Here, <laughs> you can have it. <sighs> Never trust anything made in Atlantis, I guess. Looking for your next audio binge? Bridge Burner is an independent podcast collective with all types of shows guaranteed to bring you hours of enjoyment. Podcasts like Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. On Reenacted, hosts Robert and Crystal watch and discuss the classic episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. They don't take themselves or the program seriously. They're just a couple of dummies who love Unsolved Mysteries. Or try Piloting Error, a crash course in abandoned media. Hosts Joe and Stu and guests walk scene by scene through television pilots that were aired but never picked up for series. It's a time capsule of the bizarre. Maybe you'll enjoy Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, where hosts Bill and Rob find the joy in watching a lackluster series of films like Predator or pre-MCU Marvel films. Hey, you could even check out The Bachelor Masters, a non-corporate show about The Bachelor franchise. What does The Bachelor series say about society? This podcast will let you know. If these shows sound fun, then you'll definitely enjoy Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a seasonal treat where comedy and horror movies meet all year long. But wait, there's more. Bridgeburner also has access to two Mike Sachs exclusives. Randy, the full and complete audio memoir of The Amazing Life and Times of Randy S. And Passing on the Right. Both hilarious pieces of audio fiction created by the award-winning writer Mike Sachs. If you have a podcast that you think would fit with the Bridgeburner Collective, reach out to any of these shows and they'll let you know how to join. Remember, five stars are our favorite. We love reviews, and also, share every single one of these podcasts in your group chat. It's BridgeBurner, and you can see more at BridgeBurner.page. All right, let's get to know Jason. Oh. What do you want our listeners to know and about once you? again. I'm back. This is my third podcast with Paladin Era, and I'm really excited to be here. Jason is back on the show how, how has it has it changed your life it oh my gosh you've been with us since the beginning i got up and moved from austin <laughs> texas to new york to prepare for this exact role right now as podcast I, guest as a podcast guest yes it's a young man freshly in new york who's on a podcast that's about it 
I seem to remember the first time you came on, you were only worth about, what, $500,000? Just about. And then the next time you came on, you were worth, what, $400 million? And now you're worth $3 billion. You know, it's a long journey, but I suggest you all kind of just find your own paths, right? That's what I did. Oh, and wow. It was- my path was, you know, being the guest on this piloting error show. So maybe you'll find... You should have been guests. You all should have been guests. Instead of hosts. Yeah. Why are we hosting this? We should have been guests on uh, Jason's podcast. Yeah. The Badly Drawn Hamster Hour. <laughs> we usually just talk about Ryan Gosling pictures from the dark web. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you know, I'm still doing improv. Um, I I am writing as well and doing... and going to jams and trying to get my foot in the door here in New York. Uh, what are the cool improv theaters there? Um, you have UCB. Yeah. You have UCB that's opening up. Uh, you have second city that's opening up this summer as well. They kind of branched out here now. And some of the ones that I've been going to though, since those aren't really open yet are the magnet theater and the Brooklyn comedy collective. Those are pretty solid ones. Um, and, you know, I've been kind of seeing some shows here and there. I did a, a an interesting improv jam uh, last week called The Cosmic Improv. Mm. And it was just like this person who was setting up improv scenes for people who've never done improv, really. And it was kind of cool. Like, I, um, you know, I was in the audience. And at some point, you know, you have to kind of go up. And I was like the last person, you know, and I went up and did a few scenes. And it was pretty good. It was nice to be back on stage. You do a scene with him or by yourself? No, with him. Yeah, he, he basically will direct the whole thing. And it's just to get folks kind of, you know, in a really safe space and just do an improv that is kind of directed. But, you know, I went as like just an audience member because there were three other teams that were there. And uh-huh. um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. I saw some good improv here. And so I'm being inspired. And when I'm not doing that, I am uh, working on my website, which features satirical articles and oh, cool. um, jokes and stuff like that. And so nice. that is www. ChapmanJason.com. So if you, anyone's here and wants to read some Onion-esque or ClickHole-esque articles or learn a little bit more about me, you can find it out at www.ChapmanJason.com. There's so much to learn about you. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, I feel like I've known you for like over a decade and I don't know, I know very little about you. Yeah, I would be really intimidated. Unbelievable. So we're back at the coffee shop. It's nighttime, and Tim Curry and Steve Carell are trying to plan something evil, and everything they try to plan has some sort of logistical hurdle, and it's not very funny. Bad news, boss. I found us a pulley and a cable system with a vat of hot oil, but if we want it by tomorrow, it's going to run us almost 1100 bucks. What about www.supervillain.com? Discountsupplies.com. It's 200 bucks cheaper, but there's a six-week back order. Cassis, what about the piranhas? We need an appointment to get them in from Guyana. Best I can do is two snapping turtles and a really pointy starfish. But then we get we get an amazing line from Tim Curry. <laughs> we mustn't give up hope. Soon, the vast, empty vessel that is my skull will begin gurgling with ideas. And then Herschel... Ha! <laughs> ha! 
<laughs> and then he just coughs and wheezes and and almost pass out. And then he slaps Steve Carell for no reason. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about like a hot oil prank at some point and piranhas. It's a pretty it's a pretty amazing scene. He talks about flounders being scary. I can get us a flounder. They ain't dangerous, but they got two eyes on the same side of the head. I seen them. He's pretty scary. Because they have two eyes on one side of their head. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the I think it's the unbelievable old headquarters. That's what the because it's like it shows a sign on the side of the building that says the unbelievables, but I can't imagine they still have a lease on this giant building that and they haven't been in operation for 17 years. You used to be able to buy a warehouse in America on a middle class salary. That's true. In Granville, I'm sure you could afford it. But uh, Action has asked Cupid to meet him there. And he's reminiscing about how he used to launch himself off of this platform and how awesome it was. Those were the days. We'd get the signal and I'd launch from this pad right here. I made it to the roof of that building in a single bound. Well, technically it was two bounds. Use the Drachman buildings as stutter step. Are we to believe that he can fly? I think he can just jump. <laughs> and land safely. That's, yeah. <laughs> like he could jump really high. But I don't know. He's like very strong. But you know what? Like these are all questions that I would be willing to watch in another episode to be like fleshed out. But Cupid and Action are talking about the book. Let's talk about what we're here to talk about. The book. I read it. And? I don't remember. You don't remember? We were young. It was 1973. It was dark. I, I remember going into a room. There were those swirly color things. And the Maharishi, he seemed so smart. But after that, hell, we were also. What does it matter anyway? It was a long time ago. Well, it does matter, because I want to know if I should pop him one. The man hurled the Eiffel Tower into space, and you're going to pop him one? He threw the Eiffel Tower into space, and this, this guy's going to go just fucking slap him. To what end? It, that, that's the whole thing. The message is like, it doesn't matter. This was a long time ago. That was part of, of our lives that's gone now. And he needs to move on. And he's reluctant. I'm not trying to excuse what happened, if it even did. But it doesn't matter anymore. It's over. This, us, all of it. Could it be implied that they were like... Maybe like foul play or like something weird going on that maybe it wasn't warranted. The big S somehow like raped her or... That was what I sort of gleaned from it, right? Am I alone in that? Yeah. No, you're not. Because I thought maybe there was some kind of harassment going on. Um, and that's why this dude that's divorced is caring now, right? I, I don't even think that he cares about that aspect yeah. he's just jealous jealous dude like he's like i feel like i should be jealous but i'm not really jealous like i want to be jealous but the, but the, she's like there's no reason to like we're not married this is a long time ago who cares like let it go and that's like the whole message of this show just like letting go we're old which is so weird like it's such a weird idea for a show it's almost like you're teasing the audience it's like oh yeah you can do all this crazy stuff but we're gonna see them in like a poker game 
<laughs> they can stretch their arms and fly into space and throw an Eiffel Tower into a, a black hole, but we're going to see them do their taxes, you know? Like, but they're, yeah, they're, but they're depressed, pathetic. So, you want to ride back? No. I'm going to use the launch. And he walks out on the launch and, like, looks down, and he's like, ah, never mind. <laughs> like, I can't do it. He thought he could find his youth there, and then he was like, no, I'm still old and boring. You can never go home again, Corbin Burnson. <laughs> so then Ryan Gosling is digging around in the attic, and he discovers the names of uh, an elderly couple that the Unbelievable saved at one point, and he and the girl go and track them down. Excuse me. Yes? We're sorry to bother you. Um, is this the home of, of Seymour and Mildred Bornswag? I'm Seymour Bornswag. Kind of a nice thing to do for your depressed divorcee dad. For sure. So then, we're back at the coffee shop. Everyone is there for the book signing. Tim Curry and Steve Carell are making a really horrible milkshake for some reason. <laughs> Strawberry, banana, Tabasco sauce, and soup! Well, it's no piranha-filled basement, but as an impromptu tincture of terror, I think we've done quite well. It ain't gonna kill him. But sometimes faint indigestion can be far more confusing. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, you could have thought about this for a minute. It's got strawberry, banana, Tabasco sauce, and soap. Like, what? <laughs> it starts off great. <laughs> yeah, strawberry and banana. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, strawberry banana is great. Tabasco sauce and soap it's not a very good villain <laughs> no go buy a gun or something jesus christ <laughs> yeah they're more like pranksters really like yeah it's pathetic uh, it's just a sign that they're just that old right like this will really mess them up because they're tired yeah is steve carell supposed to be retired too or is he supposed to be like eager and young like an assistant or a henchman right yeah he's just a henchman or or a guy that tim curry hired to work at the bookstore and uh took a shine to him uh, like he'd normally he'd be working the cash register right but instead he gets to do jokes and japes like feeding people soap <coughs> <laughs> all right so action has come to ask the big ass about the book so you made it yeah just thought it'd be a good idea for me to talk to the man find out the truth why'd you fuck my wife my ex-wife stop emailing my wife and this is when poet steps up can't we put it to rest the guy can put it to rest. How would you know? That's just, I read the book, passage about Q, and I just want to say, it, it didn't involve you. What are you talking about, poet? At the happening, oh God, some of it was right. There, there was a dark room, and you were in it that night. But he did lead him in, but you see, because of the roofie. Uh, he slipped you a roofie? It wasn't called that back then. But you were awful. Goofy. Could we not rhyme? Cupid had a roofie, which seems like she took it voluntarily because it seems like she was aware that she took it, which is really strange. Yeah, she's what do they, what do they call those guys in the in the gay community that take GHB just recreationally? And, I have no idea. I don't. There's a there's clue. a word for it, and I can't remember what it is. But yeah, there are a lot of people that take GHB rec <laughs> a lot. There, there are people that take GHB recreationally, so I guess she's one of oh, them. It was like the early 70s, and they're experimenting with drugs, I guess. Don't... Yeah, it was right after you couldn't get quaaludes anymore, so they were like, well, I mean, this is like the next best thing, right? But she remembers that she passed out. I passed out. Well, who um, showed him the night of bliss? 
I was in college. I was experimenting. The poet had sex with the big ass, not Cupid. Right, and this is a very awkward way to do this scene. I was in college, right? That's like what he screams right after. Yeah. Oh, oh like uh, you don't have to justify yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we so the night of sex. bliss is a combination of 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 a sex fueled like drug night, I guess, right? Because he keeps using the line like night of bliss, right? Yeah. Well, he's like, I'm ashamed of it, but I have to admit that I like it. It happened only one time, and, and most states it's no longer a crime, but I. I have to admit, it's rather sublime. Oh, oh, forgive yourself. And then they all come and hug him, which is, it's just very strange. But then he's not, there's no resolution where he's like, you know, oh, you know, I, I guess I, you know, I'm, I'm gay. It's just like, oh, I did it one time and that's the only. Yeah. I had sex with a man one time. I am not gay, although I did like it. Fellas, is it gay to have sex with another superhero? And I guess in 1999, you know, he it's like in most states, it's no longer a crime, which is kind of the line he says. And that's when you you connect it. OK, yeah, it is. Yeah. Breaking sodomy laws. Yeah. I was trying to think of like, what is this a blissful night of bliss? Is it ecstasy? Is it, you know, is it a roofy night drug filled? It's just sex. It's one big guy having sex with another big guy. Two superheroes. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. Two superheroes boning all night. It, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Nobody should be ashamed of at all. No. I mean, I don't think that even needs to be said at this point in, in, uh, in time. 1999 was a weird year, I guess, right? Like where people <laughs> had to like clarify, right? Like, oh. There was just so much paranoia about being gay in 1999. Sure. You yeah. Know, I mean, absolutely. I don't know. Would you consider it the tail end of the AIDS epidemic or like, like was the AIDS epidemic sort of wound down at that point? Cause I mean, now they've got plenty of drugs for, uh, for HIV or AIDS. Jackass. I point to that where it was like, just, you know, dudes hanging out in thongs and they're not gay they're Touch, just... touching each other's cocks yeah yeah they're... and you know they're not worried about it yeah and i feel like that was really when the shift started to happen that really was like a liberating cultural touchstone jackass just being like the perfect intersection of tough guy cool guy and a little bit gay <laughs> hi i'm johnny knoxville and this is the cup test <laughs> okay but the, the question i have is Poet was sitting right there at the poker table earlier when Ryan Gosling read the book the first time, and he didn't say anything until now. Yeah. Is that why he feels so bad is because he he didn't say anything and now he's confessing to it? Yeah, I probably caught him off guard. And then, you know, maybe he felt bad that, you know, Armstrong broke uh, his door. <laughs> and. Now. Whose door was it? Yeah, we don't know whose house they were in. I don't... Whose house was that? Yeah. Well, I guess uh, Ryan Gosling walks in, so maybe it's his house? Or with maybe it's Armstrong's house? Oh, oh, maybe it is Armstrong's house, yeah. There, there, there's no knocking or anything. They just come right he in. Stretch or flame stretch flame household. Yeah, the flame, yeah. <laughs> All right, so then a limousine pulls up, and everyone is super excited. Citizens, patrons, organize. A limousine looms on the horizon. Well, turns out it's not the big S. He is not coming. He doesn't come to this this small ass towns. <laughs> um, it's his co-author 
Candy Kilroy. Hello, everyone. And who, pray tell, are you, frail septuagenarian? I'm Candy Kilroy. As in, as told to Candy Kilroy? That very one. But where is the purported teller, too? Oh, he only does the major markets. Mm -hmm. okay. She's really dumb. Tom Snyder voice. Whatever happened to limousines? You see them all the time. You just, I feel like you just never, you never see uh, limousines anymore. Just a point on like that disappointment. Yeah. Like this show that's just about <laughs> being disappointed, failure. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. I certainly don't care about this show whatsoever. But I have prepared him a smoothie. I would certainly love a smoothie. And you shall have one. <laughs> Come with me, withering woman stick. Pardon me, sir. Are you John Action Armstrong? Yes. Well, you probably don't remember me, but 20 years ago, we had a fire. And you know, you were gone so fast, I never got a chance to thank you. I will never forget your codpiece. Oh, shh. Shit, that old man, his name is like Bud in some, or maybe his name in real life. He's like a famous character actor. He was in everything in the 90s when you needed a tiny old man. Are you talking about Bud Melman, <laughs> Calvert DeForest? Boy, am I drunk. He was always on like David Letterman. No, that's not who I'm talking about whatsoever. Oh, okay, good. His name is like Bud or something. He was like a famous character actor in the 90s. I'm kind of surprised I don't know his name, but I didn't recognize him when I watched through this any of the times that I that I fucking watched it. You you don't recognize him? No. He looks familiar, um, but only in this shot. I didn't notice it when they were at the house. Wow, you're the unbelievables, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was only nine. But... Would you sign this, please? It starts this chain of reaction where everybody recognizes the unbelievables and wants their photo. Even Mr. Invisible. Excuse me, Mr. Invisible. I was wondering if maybe you could sign this. I remember when this was taken. And they take a picture. Smile, and that's that's it. That's the unbelievables. And, and Mr. Invisible butts in there, and it's a completely fucking pointless gesture and pointless joke. Yeah. The key barista is right before this, by the way. Put a, It's like, oh, really? Well, like, right after that, someone comes in to get a coffee and is like, I didn't even come to see him. It's not him. Whom? Big guy, she's a big guy. Damn. And you know, she, I'm going to put in cute barista for time for me. Yeah. Yes. You know, she did that. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish that there were credits on this pilot. So I just, I want to know who the fuck these people are. And there's no way to look it up whatsoever. Yeah, it's just nothing. The biggest actor in 1999 was, um, what's his name? Oh, Bruce Willis. So who knows? Maybe Bruce Willis could have been Invisible Man at this time. <laughs> All right, well, Jason, what happened in episode two of The Unbelievables? Here is the synopsis for it that I wrote. It's a two-act, two-story structure. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's Josh, armed with his superpower, finds himself defending the honor of his high school friend, but tragically ends up inadvertently causing the death of a bully. Oh, wow. On the anniversary of his ex-wife's passing, the, the invisible man, overcome by loneliness, decides to give love a second... Uh, chance again. Uh, he embarks on a series of dates in search of true love, hoping for a second chance of happiness. So I wanted to do a story with like 
to explore maybe Ryan Reynolds' character a little bit more and like figure out like Ryan Reynolds what his powers are and like give him more like dimension there and maybe have him use it in a school environment. And then I wanted to think it'd be really, really funny to see the invisible man go on a bunch of like speed dating. And then, you know, maybe he just like goes missing and like the gang needs to go find him. And then this is where it gets maybe kind of dark and he's like on the roof of a building, whatever that building was for the, the unbelievables. And then you can kind of like see that he's got like the, like a hat and a cigar and maybe you think he's going to jump, <laughs> but then like a stray dog is on the roof that like tries to jump off. And then you think, oh shit, he's got to save the dog. And so like, he like catches the dog yeah. and you maybe think, oh, maybe like they both fell. This is that Puchinski tie-in. Yeah. Like a Puchinski thing where the dog like like, you don't know if it falls over, but then the camera cuts and then you just see this dog being played with, with like a dude with like a, you know, just a hat or a cigar. And then you find out like maybe the invisible man found love. And it's like, he adopts this like stray dog that <laughs> saved him from killing himself. So yeah, yeah, we need to somehow tie these two together. So they wrap up in the third, in the third act. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't do all that much work, but maybe we can do that now. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, if I had to sum up unbelievables, it's mystery men, except if you take everything that's fun about mystery men, just take all of that out. Yeah. Just take all of it out. It's just mystery men devoid of any personality, any creativity, and you have fucking Tim Curry and Steve Carell in this. And did not even think to like, did they give any input in this, into this? Who knows? I, I, I kind of doubt it because fucking it's bad. And I know I say that about most of the shit that we watched, but this is bad and annoying. If it had been longer, like if it had been an hour and a half long, they probably could have answered every one of my questions. Right. But yeah, they probably should have filmed it like a lot of them are filmed and, and done three episodes and just released it as a movie if it didn't get picked up just to have some answers as to where the fuck was this gonna go mm -hmm. are they going to become superheroes again for some reason even though they're 20 years removed from any kind of superhero roles they're just like regular people who how do they have money like jobs now or did they just like like a residuals from being yeah, superheroes or like a pension for <laughs> being super yeah. yeah a hero a hero's bonus if you will a hero's pension oh my god yeah absolutely ah the hero's pension uh, according to celebritynetworth.com the website that future billionaires check every day okay steve carell is worth 80 million dollars 80 million is a fucking yeah. unreal amount of money well, they, they figured that out just by looking at the, you know, how much he got paid for, you know, all of the... Right. It, I'm, I'm sure that it doesn't take into account agent fees and taxes and all that kind of shit. Or, or if he spent that money since earning it on those movies. Oh, that man loves to spend money. Also, Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell reunited in 2011 for Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, you... Oh, do you wonder if they? I wonder if they talked about the Unbelievables. I was just thinking that. Yeah. I seem to remember Ryan Gosling being very funny in that movie, specifically a uh, the scene where they're at the gym or the Schwitz or whatever, and he's like spread eagle nude in front of Steve Carell, like right in his face. <laughs> oh my god, that is that movie, right? Yeah, because it has Emma Stone. 
Mm-hmm. And Julianne Moore. That was it. And then they looked at each other and they were like, hey, this is just like when we were on that failed pilot, the unbelievable. <laughs> uh, remember that? Even though our characters didn't interact at all, and I guarantee you they probably didn't even meet on set. True. And we're doing better than the rest of the cast. <laughs> A lot better. Do you ever talk to Tim Curry anymore? No. <laughs> Oh, that was a wonderful, thought-provoking debate about failed television pilots. Did you like that? Well, did you? I've got great news for you then. There's more where that came from. Check out Piloting Hour wherever you get your podcast. And join in on the fun on Twitter at the Piloting Hour of Twitter Place. And if you've come across a pilot that you'd love for us to cover... Or you just want to tell us what a bad job we're doing, send us an email at pilotingerror at gmail.com, a bridge burner collective podcast. Did you know some people eat spiders? <laughs>